Hey, I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Ashley. And you're listening to All Bodies, All Foods, presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We want to create a space for all bodies to come together authentically and purposefully to discuss various areas that impact us on a cultural and relational level. We believe that all bodies and all foods are welcome. We would love for you to join us on this journey. Let's learn together. All right. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us today. We have a really exciting podcast. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Paula Friedman um, about her uh, ventures on social media and how she connects with us that way. Um, So thank you, Paula, for being here. And Sam, I'm going to let you take it away. For the moment. Yes, I'm thrilled to introduce Dr. Paula, who um, I'm connected to on TikTok. Um, (laughs) And it's so exciting to have Dr. Paula here in person. Dr. Paula Friedman, she, her, is a licensed clinical psychologist, certified intuitive eating counselor, and writer in Chicago, Illinois. In her private practice, Humankind Psychological Services, she provides treatment for individuals who struggle with anxiety perfectionism, and eating disorders. She is the author of the Addiction Recovery Workbook and regularly writes about all things anti-diet culture for psychology today in her series, Fat is Not a Feeling. She also trains and mentors psychology graduate students, teaching them to treat mental health disorders from a weight-inclusive lens. Dr. Paula loves a good metaphor a witty comeback and being in nature. Thank you so much, Dr. Paula. Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk to both of you. And and Sam, I know it, we've connected on TikTok. So it's it's always kind of funny to like actually interact with someone after seeing their face and hearing their voice. Like it feels like I you know, know them, but you don't know them. I know. Um, I, I instinctively want to tap the screen and like what you're saying, but I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that today. So for our audience members who might not know, um, you're a psychologist, you're on TikTok and you're on Instagram and you're basically, I mean, daily, it seems like multiple times a day, you're creating and sharing mental health content, education, all about eating disorders, um, and not just eating disorders, but anxiety, fat phobia, diet culture. I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on on your page and um, so informative. You have over 50,000 followers on TikTok. You have wow. over 22,000 followers on Instagram. So I'm just curious, and I'm sure our audience is curious, what made you want to start this journey on social media, creating content online? Many folks don't realize we do this for free. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> yes. Um, we do this because I mean, most of the time, I think because we just love it and uh, we want to educate the public. But what inspired you? to start creating on online and what has the experience been like for you? Oh, that's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on the day in terms of what the experience has been like, but I actually started, I started with Instagram really on a Mm -hmm. whim maybe like five years ago. And I feel like this is kind of an annoying answer where it's like, I never had these grand plans and it kind of just happened, but it kind of did just happen. I I got on Instagram mostly out of curiosity. I was like, Oh, wouldn't it be interesting to be a therapist on social media and just see what that world is like. And of course I was not the first (laughs) or the last to do that. But at the time I was like, Oh, this would be a really like different perspective to bring Turns out there was already a whole community of mental health people on there. And I was like, oh, that's cool too. So I ended up really um, just discovering all of these wonderful people doing great work and getting their message out and providing free education and resources. I ended up making some friends who I now have. They were friends in real life, which has been really cool and kind of an unexpected bonus. Um, And... I also, I've always loved writing and been a writer. And I found that on Instagram, being able to write those longer Mm -hmm. captions was just an opportunity for some creative expression and a chance to share some of these things that I'm thinking about and talking about with my clients all day long, but to a different audience and really reach a lot more people too than you could ever reach with, you know, 
just your caseload of clients in a given week, I'm like, how amazing that this tool or this coping strategy or this piece of information that I know I've found really valuable and my clients find really valuable, I can now get it out there to, you know, thousands of people. Oh, who millions. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who I never like, would have reached before. It's amazing. Yeah, Paula, you've had posts that have gone viral. It's a little bit scary. It's a little bit like wow. I can understand how people like blow up and then it really takes a toll on their, their mental health yeah. or they end up kind of like chasing the fame and the numbers because it's like, I, I hate to admit this, but it does, if you get that dopamine hit, like it feels good mm-hmm. when a post goes viral, it feels really yeah. good. And it's like, oh my gosh, like they like me, you know? Yeah. So it's a little right. bit, you definitely have to like be careful and stay grounded and not, you know, like it's great to then like to be excited about that and be like, oh my gosh, wow, this resonated with so many people. But also remember that like, if I find myself chasing that, then it's time to take a step back because that's not really yeah. why I'm on there. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. I mean, that's it not is. ultimately what's fulfilling right. in the end. Right. In the end. And I don't know that, I mean, I don't want to be a famous person. Like that doesn't sound yeah. like mm-hmm. an enjoyable life to me. So it's yeah. sort of finding this balance between like, this is great that I'm reaching so many people and that this message is getting out there, but also like, I don't ever want to be trapped in it, you know? And so, and I think it it can become that way, especially like you're saying, you're going on multiple times a day. You kind of have to like feed this algorithm, right? Or else nobody's going to see your stuff. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's figuring out like, and this isn't like you said, it's, we're doing it for free. So I have a full-time job and a full-time practice. So like, like, there are definitely times where I have to check myself where I'm like, I'm doing all this, you know, free content and it, it, for the most part, it's a lot of fun and it's really rewarding. But if there's ever a time where I'm more stressed about that than about like the stuff that pays my bills and the stuff that actually enhances my life, then it's like, maybe I need to chill for a moment and yeah, put yeah. my en- like kind of reassess where's my energy going, if that makes sense. So no, that makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah. And then I joined TikTok like a year ago, I guess about a year ago during the pandemic, partially because my husband is very into it and was like, you should go on TikTok and <laughs> kept telling me about all of this. You know, he's very, uh, because of me, well-versed in all the anti-diet <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Like he was never interested in any of that, but just living with me. He has no choice but to understand it all and hear about it all day long. And so he was like, there's a lot of diet culture on there. You should go combat it. And so then that Mm -hmm. was what really got me on. And it's like, let's try to chip away at some of that toxic stuff that's out there. So Right. It's it's a major challenge. There's no shortage of things to combat on TikTok. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm sure you've seen that too. Like just having for sure. It's it's like a little scary. And they 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 sneak their way in because they use all mm-hmm. this language of intuitive eating and, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, absolutely. And, and also the really harmful stuff, um, you know, people learn ways to, uh, they learn the loopholes of the algorithm, you know, misspelling yeah. things on yeah. purpose. Yeah. And- um, you know, creating hashtags that don't really make any sense, but the community knows. Uh, and, and yeah, it's really, it's really harmful, but it is nice to know that maybe we're playing some small part in um, kind of counteracting. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Just creating yeah. just more helpful content compared right. to that. Yeah, exactly. And there's so much misinformation too. That's another mm-hmm. reason I feel really motivated to to keep making content is just like, who knows where people are getting their information about mental health and well-being. And there's all of this stuff out there that is just like not helpful and not accurate. And so to be able to say, here's what the science says, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Definitely. And and you have these content creators presenting things with such conviction that it's really yeah. sounds like they know what they're talking about. Sometimes so I find really myself confusing. doubting myself where yeah. I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. I thought I knew what I was talking about, but then this person comes in and they sound so confident. Right. And- Right. Yeah. And if they have a ton of followers <laughs> uh-huh. and it seems like a lot of people are liking it, you start to think, well, maybe this is true. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So it can get really confusing, I think, for the it public. Can be. So yeah. I think which is why, having, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I even, when I, when I create some posts on TikTok, it's like, I I try to put little sources. I'm like, see, there's research behind this. (laughs) Me too. I I find that I have to do that even for things that I didn't think I would have to cite sources for. Like I would think, oh, maybe this is common knowledge. People always come in. Where's the source? Where's the source? And it's interesting. And maybe this is just me getting defensive, but it's interesting because I I noticed that there are people with no credentials and no training Mm -hmm. and no background and they can say whatever they want and no one's challenging mm-hmm. them. The or they're deleting their you, or they're True. deleting their comments yeah. and you can't see who's challenging yeah. them, right? Who really knows? Who but knows? um you know, I was curious, Paula, um, we were talking about your post going viral. Do you remember the first one that went viral for you? And why do you mm-hmm. think it went viral? Like what do you think was interesting about the post? Yeah, I'm trying to think which one was maybe the first first actually the very very first was like probably within the first month that I got on the app and it was about um, wow it was about atypical anorexia and how mm-hmm. um how someone can have anorexia and be in a larger body and it's just mm-hmm. as serious and just as deadly right. and you know and and mm-hmm. unfortunately the stuff that goes viral a lot of times is the controversial stuff and the stuff that right. people want to like argue and kind of like crap all over you know yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. so that was one of those where immediately people started being like what are you talking uh, about and saying really just trolly toxic yeah. things about people yeah. in larger bodies and it was just like very full of fat yeah. phobia but th- that was also really eye-opening because I was like oh wow then if if this is like if I'm just taking the pulse of this app and that's what's here then we need to really be talking about this more and giving more education and throwing more information yeah, at definitely. people. So um, right. I think that was the first one. And then the ones more recently that I did not expect. That, it's funny because I feel like you'll put all of this work into, you know, a very well-researched or what you think is a very creative and kind of, you know, different piece of content and it'll fall flat, but then it'll be like, the dumbest thing that took you no time or effort that like everyone goes crazy over it so yeah now I have this series where I'm basically arguing with myself where it's like Mm -hmm. where I you know will say a kind of role play like um comments that people commonly hear as like judgment or criticism Mm -hmm. and then making comebacks whether it's like an assertive communication comeback or just like a sassy response um and I did not expect that to be the thing that I was known for. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, here, but here we are. Could we try a little bit of that role playing later? I would love to try that out. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. It's funny because I'm like, gosh, like, you know, I guess you really don't have to work so hard. Sometimes you just have to be a little bit, if you're just like a little playful, like people yeah. gravitate towards that. So, right. Yeah. Right. Well, I think it's so helpful because you're giving a script for folks who sort of maybe don't know what to say in the moment. They sort of freeze Mm. up. They're in like fight, flight, freeze, fawn because they're so activated Mm. by these comments that are so hurtful and inappropriate. Mm. And you're giving them the words, the Mm -hmm. tools to, to handle when that happens, which is really cool. I can, I can see why that would go viral. It's sort of like, yes, the words I needed. (laughs) Yeah. In hindsight, and I think honestly, like some of these things are kind of therapeutic and cathartic for me to make too, because some of them like comments like you're so selfish or you're so sensitive. Those are things that have been lobbed against me before. And I have, you know, spent a lot. I've been in my own therapy and gone through my own processes around it and around just sort of like developing a greater sense of security. And this is who I am and I am sensitive and you might say that intended as an insult, but it doesn't have to insult me. Like it can just be a fact. Yep. It's a part yeah. of my personality and, you know, being able to really reframe that. So not every comment that I make a video about is something that I have any personal connection to, but for the ones that do have a personal connection, I also yeah. come out of it being like, that felt really good. Yeah. It's like therapeutic. Exactly. It's like, I can understand how like, um, psychodrama works or, you know, like art (laughs) therapy, right? Like that expressiveness in like Mm -hmm. a really healing way. So yeah. I bet your therapist is yeah. proud if they watch any of your TikToks. Like, oh, uh, she's not on. She's not on. But I will 
would say she has helped me a lot with like the boundaries around it and figuring yeah. out because you know you get trolls and you get mm. people who just are hiding behind the screen and trying to provoke you or trying to make you feel like yeah. crap and you know I've definitely had a, my day ruined by a troll before so she's always yeah. very helpful in being like these are strangers on the internet go interact with the people in your actual life who actually know you and yeah let them remind you who you are and this is a literal stranger who is on there like basically to stir stuff up and you know so she helps yeah. in that regard and she's a she's a lot older than me too so I think that also she helps <laughs> like you're not you're removed disconnect. from this world yeah yeah yeah. So, yeah. That, Paula, I was going to ask like that. I'm so fascinated with this. Social media um, intimidates me so much just because oh. I want to put out content as well. And um, I think about that a lot. Like, how am I going to be perceived? You know, um, is this going to be helpful? Are people mm-hmm. going to like this? Are people going to say really mean things? So, like, how do you <laughs> deal with that? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I heard you said you go to therapy. Yeah, all of the above. Um, How do you deal with the challenges of that, you know? Definitely. There were a lot of challenges. And like I said, I kind of just stumbled into this. Like I was like, yeah, sure, this true. Fun. And, and I, I think knowing what I know now, it probably would have helped to be more intentional about sure. like, what's my message and what's my okay. goal here. And why do I want to do this as opposed to just like, going with it and seeing what happens. Um, but definitely having boundaries, like, like yeah. in real life, you know, yeah. um, I think it's hard. Cause I'm, I'm the same way, Ashley, where like, I just, I want everyone to like me. I want to help yeah. everyone. Yeah. I, I want everyone to also not just feel helped and, and cared about, but also understand me and understand my yeah. intentions and not yeah. misconstrue things. And that just isn't going to happen, especially Mm -hmm. when you're like putting something out into the void and you don't know who is receiving it. it, It's like, I I thought of this comparison the other day where usually when you're interacting with other human beings, it's in a very specific context, right? Like you're Mm. at a party or you're in a group or you're in a club or like you're like a, you know, some type of community where everyone is there to interact in a certain type of way. And social media, it's like the entire world is like in your living room and it it would never Mm. be this way, you know, like people who have nothing in common with you, people who are super similar to you, people who like hate you just from looking at you for one second. So it's, it's just like when you're opening up the app, that's what you're going to get is like everything, you know, (laughs) so that it takes some getting used to, and it definitely takes some sort of coming to terms with the fact that people are going to misperceive what you say. And it's also like, it's the internet. So you could literally say the sky is blue and people will yell at you and be like, you're wrong. How could you say (laughs) that? Like, what about the people who perceive the sky this way? Like, it's just, there's just, you could say the most innocuous thing and it is going to get twisted into like, you're actually a terrible person and you should never speak again. And so you have to be able to be like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) you're a stranger on the internet. I'm not going to take that seriously, you know? And, And I mean, I think the things that get to me the most are the things that probably hit on, you know, my own stuff of, I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to understand me. I want everyone to like find me, you know, find that I'm validating them and and making them feel cared for. And so I think what gets to me the most are the people who either say explicitly or imply that I don't really care or that I'm not a good therapist or, you know, like I'll, Mm -hmm. I I say, I said some, I posted something about like people pleasing and how people pleasing Mm -hmm. is designed to serve a purpose for the person doing it, you know, that it's, it's, yeah. it's about trying to control what you feel inside, which I do yeah. believe to an extent. And all these people like latched onto that. And they were like, I can't believe this person's a mental health professional. I would never trust her. Like, listen, how she's talking about somebody in a, oh, do you wow. talk to your clients who are domestic violence victims that way? And I was like, where, mm. what you know mm-hmm. and it does it stings I'm like wow you think I'm a bad professional but then yeah. you have to remember like this person saw 
10 seconds of a thought that yes. pops into my head. Like they don't yeah. know me. And, and if they think that I approach every client and every, if I approach everyone everywhere with this one idea and that's the only thing I ever say to them, yeah. then that that's not how it works. So, right, right. you know, there's no new, there's really no nuance on social media. And it's like, I, I go through the analytics sometimes of like which videos and which content does better than others. People watch like, an average of, I think like six or eight seconds of everything. So it's like, you have to be able to pack it in in six seconds. You're not going to get like a nuanced, complex topic fully covered in that amount of time. Yes. It's just, it's not possible. Yeah. But I feel like I'm talking about all the negatives and obviously I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't valuable. Right. (laughs) Yeah. What what are some of those like really cool experiences that you've had since doing this? Cause it, I mean, TikTok is one thing, but then blowing up also on, uh, I'm sorry, Instagram was one thing Then blowing up on TikTok. Like that's incredible. And people really are listening and responding to you. And I mean, even I like, I'll go through your TikTok and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, thank you. I want to bring that into session. I want to talk about that with my clients. Like, yeah. So what are some of those good, exciting points of it? Um, I do the same thing. I follow a lot of, of fellow therapists and clinicians and I, I'll have the same experience where I'm like, what a cool way of approaching things or, yeah. oh, wow, like I feel really seen there because like I go through that too as a therapist, you know? Um so I think that is a major pro is just feeling like there's, there is this like pretty big community out there of people who yeah. can really relate to your everyday experiences. Um, also, I think that just like the practical side of having this space where you can share so much information and so many resources mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't have access to therapy or access to treatment. Yeah. It's not obviously a replacement and it's not going to be nearly as individualized or anything like that, but it's good information. And if that's what someone has access to, it's better than nothing, you know? So I think there's that. Um, and yeah, I've gotten some cool opportunities. I wouldn't have connected with the two of you if I wasn't on there. And, um, yeah, just meeting some great people who are doing really important advocacy work and being exposed to, people with different lived experience for me. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think it really is a a, a cool thing. I mean, there definitely depends on the moment. I feel like there are times where I'm Mm -hmm. like, this is amazing and times where I want to throw my phone out the window and (laughs) never look at it again. So it's very intense. Um, but yeah, overall it's, it's a lot of fun. And I feel like I'm more of a, I've always been a writer. I've always expressed myself better sort of in, in, and private in that way. Mm-hmm. And being on TikTok has really pushed me out of my comfort zone. It, it forces you, like, you have to show your face. You have yeah. to speak. Also, you, you, like, you don't have to be buttoned up and polished and perfect too. Like people want you to just kind of show up and be yourself and have it be right. really authentic. So right. that has really been a lesson for me and just not needing to be perfect and being able to just yeah. kind of like, I'm just going to try this out because it feels kind of fun to me today and yeah. see what happens. And you have to get out of the mindset of like, I want this to do well. And I want a lot of people to see this. Cause like, obviously that's great when that happens, but you can't be chasing that or else it's going to also be, it's a piece of purpose. Cause then you're right. not authentic. So being able to right. really let that go and be like, I'm on here because it's fun. And because sometimes I think I have something cool to say that some people might find interesting. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> so. Have Have any of your clients ever seen a post and brought it into session and like, Dr. Paula, <laughs> we have got to talk about this today. <laughs> yes. And that's been a very interesting thing to navigate is like having, yeah. you know, clients see you and follow you and knowing that they're going to find you and if someone out there is considering starting an account and they're a mental health professional, like expect that your clients will find you. Like that's yes, just, yes, yes. They're going to. So don't yeah. think that you can, unless you make it private, I guess. Um, so yes, I have had that happen and I have, I've kind of evolved in like my feelings about all of that, about like, is it okay for them to follow me? And mm-hmm. do I need, how much do I need to hold back? Because I know that they're going to see whatever I put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think that there's like 
the therapeutic relationship is really sacred and I want to like protect yeah. that. And I feel like yeah. that's one of the reasons that we're not supposed to disclose too much, you know, yeah. because it's like, that's one of the things that makes this a unique space and different from just talking to a friend who you do know everything about and you do yeah. know what, you know, the fight they had with their partner last night and all of that. Like, so, um, so yeah, I do have, have clients who will sometimes reference things. Um, I think that that also probably makes me maybe not a good fit for everybody. Like, sure. I think that there are some clients who it would just not be in their best interest to have a therapist that they were seeing, seeing outside of, the, I'm doing our quotes, but people can do that being outside of session in that way or getting like any peek into their their life but um but then there are others who I mean I have clients who have found me through social media and were really great fit to be together like it may I I find that like those clients tend to be a really good match because they've already gotten a peek into my style and the things that I'm passionate about and my personality and if they're gravitating toward me, then we're probably going to click, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so in that regard, it's been really, it's been really valuable, but I do have boundaries, which I think everyone should have in terms of like, um, they're allowed to follow me, but I don't communicate on social media with any clients. Like yeah, if they like no DMS, no, they have yeah. another, they can get in touch with me through the appropriate channel. Right. Of, like yeah. my, my professional email and all of that. Um, but they'll sometimes people try or they don't realize, you know, they don't, they yeah. aren't thinking about it. And I think especially these days, because so much does happen over social media, it's like, well, I just want to share you, share this post with you or, you know, co- they'll comment. I don't respond to any comments that are clients because I want to respect their confidentiality and all of that. So just having those policies in place and then, yeah, being really mindful because it's like whatever you post, they may see. And so that really makes me think every single time I put something out there, that's, that is something that I consider. Mm -hmm. Is this something I'm okay with them knowing about me? Is this something Mm -hmm. I'm okay with them finding out? Is this going to potentially harm our our therapeutic relationship? Mm -hmm. And obviously you can't always no, I mean, right. we're just making right. our best guesses, but, right. um, so far it's gone. Okay. And I think I've, I've taken more risks, like, especially recently, especially like as my following has grown and I've started mm-hmm. to feel like, wow, this is an opportunity to get messages that are important to me out to so many more people. Um, yeah. it kind of puts you in this weird position where it's like, well, I don't want to disclose, I don't want to over disclose and put my clients at risk or put our relationship at Mm -hmm. risk. But I also don't want to like squander this opportunity to advocate for something that I really care about to all of Mm -hmm. these people who I otherwise would have, would never have the chance to be speaking to and to have them hear what I care about. So I don't, I don't, I don't think there's one answer. I think we all have to figure that out for ourselves, but it's a balancing act and it requires a lot of thoughtfulness yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think some people do it better than others. I'm not trying to, to bad mouth anyone, but there are definitely people on there where I'm like, I can't, what do your clients think of you for saying that? Yeah. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm, I'm perfect, but I, I think just, you know, I think it's easy, probably the bigger you get, it, it, the easier it is to forget or to, to not really be considering the fact, like when you mm-hmm. think about, I have maybe 20 or 30 or 15 clients and then I have these other, however many hundreds of thousands of people. Right. You know, you have to prioritize. Right. I think right. you have to prioritize your clients or else why are you working with clients? Right. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I agree. It's so interesting that, you know, you found clients through social media I and mean, they've sort of like discovered you through. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so you have clients who are obviously very active on social media, I imagine. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, you know, in your work with clients, what have you seen as far as the impact of social media on, mm, yeah. on mental health, especially, I mean, you treat eating disorders. Yes. Yeah. And what have you noticed? Like, what do mm. you think 
are the impacts, both whether they're harmful or beneficial, either way? Yeah. How do you think mm-hmm. it plays into the work? Um, definitely pros and cons, right? That there's yeah. definitely harms, and then there's definitely, I think, things that when I think back to my own childhood and adolescence, I'm like, wow, how amazing would it have been if I had this resource yes. in some of these accounts, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, I mean, it's kind of a recipe for objectification and self-objectification. How, like how it's literally you're documenting not only what you're doing, but how you look while you're doing it. And it's, and then there's the filters yeah. and all of that. So I think even just like the emphasis, it's, it's impossible to not have any, emphasis on appearance. So that's challenging, you know, right. Well, it's an image based, an image based platform. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, I've even, I've had those moments where I, I see my face on a TikTok and I kind of cringe and I'm like, Oh, that's my face, you know? And then I have to do all the stuff that I teach my clients about like accepting and, you know, like, yep, that's what my face looked like that day. Okay, cool. Like, you know, um, Mm -hmm. But so, and I mean, and it's so like so much is curated, right? So there's so much that seems like it's just someone living their easy breezy life and looking so beautiful, but obviously they've designed it to be that way and maybe spent hours trying to craft it so that it comes off like it's easy breezy nothing. Um, So there's that and there's a lot of comparisons and, um, and I feel like it's, it's hard to say how much of this also is exacerbated by the pandemic and everything going virtual and everybody sort of living their lives on zoom and on camera. But I don't know that we are, I don't think we are really built to be confronted with like an image of ourselves to the extent that we are these days where it's like, I mean, even as we're having this conversation, like my face is right there in the corner. It's like having Mm -hmm. a mirror that just follows you around everywhere, Mm -hmm. you know? So Mm -hmm. that can definitely be difficult and, and cause a lot of harm. Um, especially when you're trying to like detach importance from your image. From image. Um, Yeah. So there's that, but also I think it can be like, a form of exposure therapy in a way too. Kind of like I was saying how sure. I see my face on all these TikToks and I have a reaction to it. But na- by now I'm not really as effective as I was when I started making them because it's like, yep, all right, that's my face. You know, sort mm-hmm. of like how you can become exposed to seeing the number on the scale and not having it mean anything. It just is whatever it is that day. So I yeah. think that that can be valuable too, but obviously depends on where people are in their recovery process. Yeah. And then there's a lot of great communities out there that people might otherwise not have a way of connecting with that really support recovery or that support body yeah. diversity or even just like kind of curating your feed, which I mean, I do that with clients a lot where it's like, hey, who are you following on social media and yeah. can yeah. recommend some accounts who are going to feed them the type of messaging that we're trying to really internalize, you know, yeah. so that's I great think- too. I think that's one of the coolest things about social media yeah. in general is that we, you know, we're so spread out. Um, I mean, we've got our big cities, but there mm-hmm. are definitely people that don't live near a city or don't live near um, places of support and they can go mm-hmm. online. Um, I say this while also understanding um, that social media can also, you know, provoke a little bit of the um, comparison and the insecurities Mm -hmm. and things like that. And also it can just give us such community. And like, Mm -hmm. I mean, to have 50,000 followers on TikTok, like what a community that has to feel like for them to connect with you and each other there. I just think that's so great. It really is. It's really cool. It's like, wow, you are capable of, of, creating these connections and then bringing other people together on some shared value or some shared interest. And yeah, really, it really is pretty incredible that this exists. And it's also, I feel like the flip side, (laughs) it's not real life. And people a lot of times will think that they know you because they know this part of you. Yeah. And they don't. And so there's a lot of assumptions, I think, too. So you, yeah, use at your own risk, I guess. But how do you kind of navigate that, Paula? So, like, if somebody, mm-hmm. so often, if mm-hmm. someone can't afford therapy, right? Or for, yeah. for whatever reason, they might reach out um, 
to social media, to these communities to seek support. Um, how do you navigate that when maybe somebody uh, DMs you or mm-hmm. comments and and they're specifically asking for support? Um, what's yeah. that like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely happens quite a bit. Um, yeah. And it's, it's hard because like I said, I want to help as many people as possible, yeah. but I have to have a boundary there. So I have, I have a policy, like just a personal okay. policy, I guess, where I don't give any advice, individual okay. advice on social media, whether in the comments, in the DMs, anywhere. Um, it's just, I have to stick to that or else it sure. can get really slippery. And also yeah. like from an ethical perspective, a legal perspective, yeah. right? I don't want to get myself in a situation where someone who isn't my client sure. is now, you know, receiving Thinking they are your client. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I have to be really right. clear. Yeah. No interaction on here ever constitutes, you know, a provider patient relationship. And I don't give individual advice. So I have sort of these, you know, I don't like copy paste them or anything like that, but, but I, but sort of go to statements of sure. to let people know, you know, like invalidate, Hey, it sounds like what you're going through is tough. I don't give advice on here, encourage them to get in touch with a local provider if they can. Yeah. And if they can't, then, you know, like talking through things with a friend or talking through things with someone that they trust someone in their real life, like kind of getting them like off the internet to find their help in real yeah. life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Occasionally, you know, I'll say, here's a good book or workbook or, mm-hmm. you know, share a resource or here's a website where you can find a therapist or something yeah. like that. You know, I'm happy to like help you figure it out, but I'm not going to be the one to give it to you. And also like it can get really draining and yeah. I am a person and have my own life and I don't always have the capacity to be there for everybody else, especially yeah strangers on the internet, you know, yeah. like if it's taking me away from my actual life or my actual mm-hmm. clients, like mm-hmm. then that's kind of a red flag that it's time to spend less time mm-hmm. on social media and spend less time mm-hmm. engaging in the DMS and all of that. So yeah. Yeah. Um, people don't always understand it. I, I definitely have had the experience of saying, no, you know, basically telling someone, I'm sorry, I can't address this with you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I thought you were a therapist. Like you're supposed to care. You're supposed yeah. to help me. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, like that, that I, I get it. I, I understand how that is hard to hear. And I'm not your therapist. Like I'm just, I'm not so sorry, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's for their happen. safety. It's for their exactly. safety yes. ultimately. And I think that's hard to understand, especially when, yeah. you know, they might not have access to mental health care and they don't really know where to go. And yeah. but ultimately it is, it's a safety issue. Yeah. That's yeah. the bottom line is I yeah. don't want to sign on for anything that mm-hmm. I know I'm not really equipped to address and to put right, someone else you, in a situation where right. they're not actually getting the right support. Like, right. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. You know, you talk a lot, Paula, about how important boundaries are on social media. Oh and, yeah. And, and <laughs> I'm just, just for the audience out there who maybe struggle with, do they can't get off their phone? They feel mm-hmm. like they're addicted to TikTok. You know what? Do you have any like concrete ad- advice that you might give as far as like mm-hmm. what bound? I'm just curious what boundaries maybe you put in place. Do you set a time mm-hmm. limit? Do you go into the settings and mess around with that? I'm just I'm just curious mm-hmm. because I think sometimes people want to know. Yeah, but how? How do I set right. boundaries? Help me. Right. Yeah. I think it's definitely it's different for everyone. I haven't done that yet. The going in and and messing with the. I know you can set like the a settings. On- yeah, yeah. I, I haven't, haven't done, done that, that either. It's an option <laughs> yeah. though. You know, I don't yeah. like cut you off after a certain time. I haven't done that. Maybe I should, but yeah. Yeah. I think the same way where I'm like, maybe I should. And I definitely, I think I, I go through phases and it kind of depends too on like what's going on in my life and on the app. And if I'm getting a lot of comments, it's like, Oh, this is exciting. I want to keep up. I want to check out. I want to like, check the updates and see what people are saying or if there's a troll, sometimes it kind of hooks you in. Um, But I, one of my boundaries that I can say I'm not always perfect at, but 
I don't take my phone in the bedroom with me. Um, so yeah. because there was a time where it was sort of like the first thing I would check in the morning and that just was not healthy. And I recommend that for anyone who is having a hard time, like cutting themselves off is like, don't, yeah. don't open it up in the morning until you're actually in a space where that's what you are choosing to do. And that's what you have mm. the time and the energy for rather than just cause it's there. And it's just like, I, I don't think, I don't want it to be part of my like morning routine. You know, I want my morning mm-hmm. routine to be about like my actual life, you know? Do you um, like lock it in a drawer yeah. or I feel like I'd have to put it in the trunk <laughs> yeah. of my car. <laughs> if that works, I say do it. It doesn't, I don't, I, I don't, I ha- I'm not at that point, at least right now. <laughs> but, I do put it like on the other side of my apartment <laughs> so that it's yeah. not as okay. So that right. I can't even, I can't, I know people who, I mean, I have clients who are having a hard time and they have it next to their bed and it's like, they right. just roll over and grab it. It's like, well, let's make it a little, like, let's make the barrier to entry a little <laughs> greater. So that yeah, you have a little more effort. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a little, that would be hard to resist. I totally yeah. get it. Right. It's like, yeah, if you're, if you're, trying to get sober you wouldn't keep the alcohol right next to you you would probably not have any in the house so um keeping it on airplane mode until you're ready to like start your day Mm, or or at the end of the day you can do that because I know a lot Mm -hmm. of people with smartphones too like you have come to rely on it for so many other things so it's hard to just turn it off completely if it's your alarm and it's your way of you know connecting with people so just figuring out like, is this enhancing my life right now? Or is this taking away from it? So that yeah. that's usually a good question. Um, and then there are times like I can feel the burnout, like creeping in, I can feel yeah. it in my body where I'm like, wow, I am. I'm this is like sapping me. And so then yeah. I try to take mm-hmm. a whole day or a couple of days off completely and just not even go on at all or I've gotten to the point where sometimes I go on I post my piece of content and then I leave and I don't go back on the app for the rest of the day Mm -hmm. you know where it's like I drop my little thing and then I go back to my actual life so Mm -hmm. um but if you're not creating content if you're just consuming it like you don't even have to get on it at all you can just not do it for which again easier said than done but I know now they do have those settings you can put in and say you know don't I'm not allowed to go on this app more than 20 minutes a day mm-hmm. and then it kicks you mm-hmm. off or, so that's an option too or deleting it from your phone and then re-downloading it when you want to use it or mm-hmm. um, yeah I often do that I'll like yeah. delete something delete Monday through Friday and then I'll download it for Saturday and Sunday <laughs> that, I think you know, that's brilliant then, yeah. does that help you do you find it does like, you it does difference? I do that with Instagram quite a bit yeah. just um because otherwise just like you're saying you just mindlessly sometimes can just, pick it up, you know, yeah. and, um, and it's not necessarily meeting a need. It's helping mm-hmm. pass time sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, have you heard of the book digital minimalism? I've heard of it. I haven't read okay. it. Yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't heard of that. That sounds like a good Cal, one though. Cal Newport is his name. I think he might be a psychologist. Anyway, he, it's, it's basically about all of this, about like yes. how, it's kind of these, these apps are really designed to keep you using them for as much as possible and as long as possible and to keep you kind of in this like addictive cycle. And I mean, he advocates for kind of an extreme that I personally haven't done where you're, he says, take 30 days and do a complete detox where you don't use any technology at all, unless it's like necessary for your job. Um, I haven't done that, but I did take away some valuable information from it of like, sure. here's some ways you can kind of limit it. And these things that we think are necessities are mm-hmm. actually just like conveniences. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, mm-hmm. we think, Oh, well, I have to have my phone on all the time because I use it for my alarm. And it's like, there's another solution. You can get an alarm clock, <laughs> you know, like there, <laughs> there are ways right. around so it. True. You don't actually yeah. need it. You just think you need it. And, and by mm-hmm. kind of breaking out of that, like I noticed there was a time where I was like, I don't have any hobbies. I used to have hobbies, you know, I used to like mm. draw and read and do things. And now I scroll on my phone and I think that's mm. true for a lot of wow. people. So it's like, yeah. When was the last <sighs> time you did something after work or after school that wasn't 
just looking at your phone, you know? Right, right. So that was a wake up call for me to really like put some limits in place and be like, Mm -hmm. leave my phone across the room or don't take it with me every day. Or, you know, sometimes my husband and I will go to dinner and don't take our phones and it's Mm. just, you just take it away so that you don't even have the itch to to check. Yeah. yeah, So smart. Such great. I love, I love those ideas, especially airplane mode. Um, yeah, because that's that just like one. a quick, it's so easy and yeah. 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 And you just take a break from all the internet stuff, but you still have your calculator exactly. on there and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, not that I'm using that. Yeah. <laughs> or your notes app or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You don't have to always be plugged in. And I think, I mean, I can give this advice. I don't always take it, but I do think that it's kind of destroying our critical thinking skills. And I mean, of course, here I am on here contributing to the problem, but you know, I also think there's such a balance though, Paula, you know, I mean, I think what you're providing is so helpful. And like we said earlier, so many people are, are soaking it up. You know, there, it's so rich, Mm -hmm. um, for the population that, that is watching your material and there can be a balance too. We can also put it down. Put it down. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, remember there's were, other things. Yeah. Yeah. Other yeah. things. The world existed before all of this. People yeah. had meaningful lives before all this. And right. like you're a whole person. And yeah. I think that's something like that's sort of every so often I have to really check in with myself and be like, how attached to this am I? And I don't know if that's just like kind of my, you know, act, mindfulness stoicism kind of like way of approaching life where it's like, if I'm, if I'm really attached to this and I'm really like so wrapped up in it that it feels like I will lose something really big if this goes away, then I need to take a step back Mm -hmm. and, and invest energy in other parts of my life because I don't ever want it to come to a point where if this all went away tomorrow, which it can, because people on the internet can turn on you in a second. You could have yeah. one post that gets misconstrued or say one yeah. wrong thing and you're canceled and you, you, yeah. you know, you go from 50 K to zero. And yeah. so like knowing that, like you really can't get too attached to that either. And knowing mm-hmm. like, I'm still me. If this all went away tomorrow, my life would still be pretty much the same. I mean, mm-hmm. I would probably have more time, but (laughs) I would be be sad. I mean, I find it really meaningful, but yeah, I I think if you ever get to the point where it's like, without this, who am I, then that's, that's kind Mm -hmm. of scary. So time to reflect. Exactly. Time to recognize like, what am I doing here? And where else do I derive a sense of self-worth and validation and Mm -hmm. meaning so yeah that's just my perspective I know there are other people and I know there are people who make their living doing this so I think that adds a whole Mm -hmm. other layer yeah it does that's such a good point that's such a good point I know we are almost out of time I was really hoping we could try this role play because these are your <laughs> some of your most popular posts oh my where gosh. you yes. basically you're giving your audience tools to respond to really triggering mm-hmm. comments really inappropriate comments and mm-hmm. it's just so valuable so i thought yeah um so if i i can be the person giving the triggering comment okay um, you'll be the, the rude <laughs> rude judgy I'll be the rude <laughs> yeah, podcast <okay>. host here <laughs> Um, and maybe I, I'll say a triggering comment and then you have like multiple ways to respond. Right. So I was thinking maybe, could you right. give us two or three ways to respond? Sure. I can okay. try. I can tell you, I mean, before we get into it, just cause I feel like this caveat is necessary. A lot of these are just kind of for fun. Like I wouldn't, All right. <laughs> I try to yeah. give like a response that's like, clear and assertive and sort of that like healthy communication, like boundary setting thing. But sometimes some of the responses are also just like a little sassy, a little like maybe like passive aggressive, but they're things that you can like say to yourself, like to your own brain, if your brain is giving you stuff that is rude. Right. Right. Or I don't condone all of the sass. Or (laughs) or maybe even if you, you know, those with eating disorders, they have an eating disorder thought Mm. like this, they can challenge it with a recovery. Yes. Yes. Uh, And, and I think it's fun to like 
be a jerk to yeah. that voice that's been like yes absolutely being a jerk to people in real life but right the bully in your brain that's a different story okay anyway okay ready okay here we go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> paula are you really going to eat that maybe only one way to find out <laughs> paula are you really gonna eat that uh yeah why do you think i have it on my plate <laughs> Nice, nice. Uh, Ashley, you want to try one? I don't want to be the bad guy the, the whole time here. Uh, I'm loving it. Okay, you're actually really nice in real life. <laughs> Paula, you ate that so fast. Yeah, I was really hungry. <laughs> Paula, you ate that so fast. Yeah, so I could get away from your judgments. <laughs> I love it. The faster it. I finish, the faster I can get out of here. <laughs> okay, let, let, let's try one more, one more. Okay. Paula, you are really overreacting. I'm actually just reacting. Wow, ah, <laughs> I like it, I like so it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paula. This has yeah. been so wonderful to have you on. And, oh my gosh. Uh, so much fun. Yeah, so much fun. And thank you for all you do for mental health online and in person. We just adore you. Oh my gosh, it's mutual. (laughs) I just want to say thank you too. Like I I feel like, you know, you you do this, all three of us are clinicians on Mm -hmm. here and we do this because we care. And I just love that. I love your heart, but I also love your sassy wit that you share. <laughs> thank you. It's so fun. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. It's It has been a lot of fun. Like it, it has surprised me how much I really like find it rewarding, you know? And yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's fun to also like interact with all these people who are like, Ooh, what about like people come up with their own ideas and yeah. say, Oh, I could say this. And I'm like, that's brilliant. I love that. You know? So <laughs> it's, it's been a lot of, it's been a fun bonding experience. And I agree. I think being a clinician, we care so much and yeah. we want so much to help people, but it's nice to also just kind of like bring some humor in sometimes and just have fun and be like, yeah, we want to, we want to help, but like, it doesn't have to always be serious. So yeah. yeah. I love that. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was so much. I did like flew by. I'm like, Oh my gosh. I know it did (laughs) so fast. Yeah. All right. See everyone next time. Thank you for listening with us today on all bodies, all foods presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We're looking forward to you joining us next time as we continue these conversations.